Alabama police hold a press conference detailing the bizarre facts in the Carly Russell case. In Louisiana, three people are dead following a shooting in New Orleans at an area shipyard by an ex-employee. And Mike brings you the story of the real hero who took down escape fugitive and murderer Michael Burham. These stories and more coming at you today, Friday, July 21st on Real Life Real Crime Daily. And I'm Jim Chapman. And I'm Mike Agavino. And I'm Kelly Jennings. What? Well, that's weird. No, it's not weird because there there had to be action. There had to be there there had to be consequences from Woody's behavior yesterday. And so I made the decision late last night to suspend him. And he is uh, he is not going to be with us uh, today. And he's not going to be with us for Monday's show. And you know the. Censorship is a very serious topic. It's a lot of airplay, particularly right now in the United States. And to have it happening on our show, I think, was a travesty. Unacceptable. And the audience deserves to be able to hear the stuff I'm not allowed to report, report. And for him to rip it out of my hands and tear it up on the show, uh, uh, you know, live taping was, you know, uh, I'm sure that this period of quiet uh, reflection will be an opportunity for him to wait to look at I'm his behavior. Quiet bullshit. You got the wrong person if you, you want it you quiet. You don't think he's quietly reflecting on yesterday's behavior? Uh, I don't think he is. Well, if you say so, Michael. And then there's Jim. And there's Jim's behavior <laughs> yesterday while it was going on. Whatever. I move that we just. It's just me and you today. Yeah. Well, well Jim's behavior. The hell, you, I know. You, you you know this kid. You've had this kid in your class, Kelly. Yeah. yeah. So you have to leave the classroom for whatever reason, for a couple minutes. Right. And you tell them to sit quietly and work on whatever they're working on. You'll be back in five minutes. Mm-hmm. And then you come back in the classroom, and there's that one kid who tells you all the shit all the other kids did wrong while you were gone. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's Jim. So Jim is – so so <laughs> whatever. So Woody's, Woody's doing his thing, and then I – I decide to be the bigger uh, person and move on and just go to tell another story. And Jim goes, well, I think you should lose your turn. <gasps> that did not I, happen. Jim. That absolutely. That He's lying, ab- oh, it's, Kelly. He's oh, lying. You know what? You shouldn't say that lies. when you know the proof is out lies. there Look, for anyone. As a matter of fact, what did he say? He said, uh, what did Jim say? Lies. I think Mike should lose should lose his. Uh, his turn in line? You don't get. Yeah, because you went, get, because you did a story. Okay, I didn't do I a story. My fault. Woody wouldn't let you say it. Well, that's not doing a story. Well, that's having it ripped out of your hands. Gentlemen, but, gentlemen, eyes over here with the teacher. Gentlemen, yes, yes. I need you to take it down a notch, <laughs> and we need to give the people what they want. Which is. I don't know. Which is, which is for me to make fun of Jim and for me to tell them that Woody is suspended and that we're thrilled to have. The fabulous Kelly we Jennings are. with are. us today. I'm thankful to be here. Thank y'all so much. The legend herself. Oh, All right. First, we got an update for y'all on the Portland, Oregon serial killer. Oregon police have identified Jesse Lee Calhoun of Portland as a person of interest in the recent deaths of four area women that police say are linked. On Monday, a group of nine Washington police agencies announced they had identified a person of interest in the deaths of Kristen Smith, 
Charity Lynn Perry, Bridget Webster, and Ashley Real. And just yesterday, they named Calhoun as that person. Calhoun, whose last address was in Portland, is currently in custody at the Snake River Correctional Institution in Ontario, Oregon, on unrelated charges. In 2019, he was charged with three counts of unauthorized use of a vehicle, one count of assaulting a public safety officer, and one count of first-degree burglary. When a SWAT team arrived that year to arrest Calhoun on outstanding warrants, he choked out a police dog and kicked an officer. Originally set to be released in 2022, Calhoun's sentence was conditionally commuted by then-Governor Kate Brown. He was part of a group of 41 Oregon inmates given reduced sentences following their service in prison fire crews battling wildfires in 2020. Calhoun's release was revoked earlier this month by the governor. The 38-year-old was arrested in 2018 with meth, guns, and numerous rounds of ammo in an incident that prompted the sheriff's office to label Calhoun as a prolific thief and career criminal. I think you can add serial killer to that list now at least three of the women found dead were known to frequent the same area of downtown portland in the months before their deaths so fortunately it looks like oregon has caught their serial killer i would suspect that they've linked some dna here although they don't specifically say that uh i would almost bet my bottom dollar that dna has been uh So good news coming out of Oregon. For those of you that, you know, have been on Facebook, the first thing you probably noticed on your feed is if you weren't familiar with Carly Russell, you became familiar real quick just by scanning through that feed. Everybody is talking about this. Uh, And, of course, we discussed it on our show, and we have a little update for you on Miss Carly Russell. So the police – had a press conference, and we want to cover what was discussed on that that press conference. And one of the main things was the search history of Carly Russell that they investigated. Jesse Smollett of Alabama. (laughs) So on the search history, Carly Russell searched for information about Amber Alerts, bus stations, and taking money before she went missing. The U.S. Secret Service found these searches on her phone, which was left in her car (laughs) after she went missing Thursday night after reporting a toddler walking down I-459 in Alabama. So what were those search terms? Well, they included, you have to pay for an amp. Do you have to pay for an Amber Alert? Uh, How to take money from a register without being caught? That's always a good one to search. Uh, Birmingham bus station. One-way bus ticket from Birmingham to Nashville. One-way is the key on that one, folks. I called BS on that from the second I heard that. So, hold on, y'all. Let me finish this. She also searches Subway open at 2 a.m. All right, y'all quit stepping on my story. I'm sorry, Jim. (laughs) I'm going to start over. Search terms included. You have to pay for an Amber Alert. How to take money from a register without being caught. Birmingham bus station. One-way bus ticket from Birmingham to Nashville. She searched the movie Taken, which y'all is a, is a <laughs> Sorry. is a movie about uh, well, you know, being kidnapped. Information about Amber Alerts on her work 
computer, she searched that information about Amber Alerts. And she made other searches that police say revealed her mindset that they won't even release. Uh, surveillance footage from her work at the spa she worked at shows she, they used the term concealed, I'm going to use the term stole, a bathrobe and a roll of toilet paper when she left, and neither... This is the key. Neither were in the car after she went missing. So she had them with her. So fortunately, she had her bathrobe and a roll of toilet paper when she was kidnapped. In the press conference day before yesterday, police also played the 911 call from Carly during the incident. And I thought that was a good call by the police because it established Carly's frame of mind, if you will. So here's that. We're going to play the 911 call. call you just heard data tracked her driving 600 yards while she said she was following the toddler along the interstate according to hoover police chief nick Durzis. now that distance y'all is six football fields here's the issue with that 
you're going down an interstate with traffic, you know, maybe you've pulled over on on the medium when you've had a flat tire or you've pulled over to get something uh, and you've got cars blowing past you at 100 miles an hour or 60 miles an hour or 80 or 200 miles an hour if you're Mike. <laughs> and uh, this is heavy trafficked at this time. And you've got a toddler that's walked six football fields in distance and never stepped out in front of a car. A toddler. That's not really possible. Um, or that other people. That is the claim that, you know, she's making. Now, how do they know that? Because they actually tracked from the time she placed the 911 call to the cameras in which were on the interstate and saw the distance that she drove. And they could actually do the mathematical equation there. And it came up to 600 yards. Uh, that was something the the police chief actually had a big problem with, uh, in addition to a lot of other things. Traffic camera footage has been sent to the FBI for enforcement uh and an enhancement, but it has not been returned yet. Uh, it really, if you've watched that footage on YouTube, it, it it's there's no there is no baby anywhere that you can see, no toddler. Now, during her initial statement to police, Russell said that when she got out of the car, a man came out of the trees and mumbled that he was checking on the baby. This is her claim. Then picked her up, took her over a fence, and the next thing she remembered, she was in a tractor trailer. In the truck, there was also a man and a woman, according to her statement. She also heard her baby, she said. She was able to escape the truck, but then found herself in a car again and was taken to a house where she was undressed and possibly photographed. A woman fed her cheese and crackers and played with her hair. She told she told police God. she was able to escape, ran through the woods and found herself near her residence and able to get home. Police said she had a minor injury to her lip and one hundred seven dollars in cash in her sock. No drugs or alcohol were in her system. Another interview request from police to speak with Russell hasn't been granted, but police have said they're ready to talk when she is. We told it to you. The day that we reported on this case, Woody said it right across from me, and that was he did the big sneeze with bullshit in the middle of it. Uh, he didn't buy this from the beginning. I struggled to buy it, but I was kind of holding out because, you know, if, if for some strange reason this did happen to her, uh, you know, you don't want to step on somebody that something tragic happened to. But after all this information, I mean, look, y'all, there is no way in hell that she didn't make this whole thing up. And to me, that is disgusting. Uh, yeah. And if you come snatch my big ass and you make me over fences and stuff, and I don't know what's going where'd the kid go? Why do you call yourself big ass? You're skinny. You can hill hook through a Cheerio. Y- you listen to me. Whatever. If you're able, if you're able to pick me up over a fence and drag me and do all this stuff with me, then you weren't able to go get the kid either. Like that's another thing. So if so, what she's claiming there's someone else helping him. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying? This kid, this ran, and then no other callers called in instead of toddlers running down there the highway. So many ridiculous oh my God, holes. Please. In this story. She also she had the takeout food and then also bought a bunch of breakfast bars. And stuff like that. And the, the take-home food was left in the car. But 
the other stuff she had bought was all gone. So she had she has the robe, she has the toilet paper, and she has a bunch of you know whatever. Uh, all she was missing was literally Jesse Smollett and the two twins right. uh, doing the fake beat up. I mean, it's ridiculous. This should be, ex- they better make an example out of this woman, the resources that were put into going to look for her. And that's the, that's the huge issue. Ridiculous. This was, you know, and, and a lot of people are asking why, why even lie about this? And there's, there's several motives and, you know, obviously none of us were in her head and know exactly why she did. But, uh, don't put it past somebody to just want to be famous and, you know, go on talk shows and think about it. Y'all, if she would have came back three or four days later and told this great story of escape, and we had none of this evidence sitting in front of us right now, uh, she would be the darling of the entire country. She would go on talk shows. She would travel for free. She, heck, she may even get her own talk show out of Book something deal. like that. Yeah. Some people are crazy enough to think that. What she didn't bet on is that this would become such a big national story that every major news outlet in the country, including Real Life or a Crime Daily, was going to be talking about it. Right, Mike? I don't know. I don't don't know that, uh, look, I mean, it's such a horrible plan. I mean, we'll see what we find out, what she comes clean uh, on and and what ultimately, you know, she says her her plan was if she owns up to it. I mean, Jussie, I don't think to this day, despite being convicted (laughs) and everything else, has owned up to it. So uh, she'll probably just deny it and... uh, uh, and play the victim for. And I hate to be them. Debbie Downer, but you know what's going to happen? She's going to claim she was having a breakdown at some point, and she's going to yeah. go before a judge. She's going to get a slap on the wrist, and we're all going to move on from the story. But that's why people keep doing this. Well, and and you know people do say, well, she had to be like crazy, and and you're right, it's a crazy move. The problem with saying she was crazy is that there was so much premeditation in this she was searching this stuff was planned y'all crazy she was searching too. stuff two weeks ago three weeks ago on uh on these uh you know how 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 do you have to pay for amber alerts and how to take money from registers this has been playing out crazy people don't plan out things like this right this was calculated and mm-hmm. it was to deceive and to me, it's it's no different than almost a, a theft because what you've done is you've stolen the, um, and and I don't mean to be all like serious about it, but seriously, you you have tricked and lied. You've had a whole nation of people terrified for you. You brought a child into it. Now a lot of people were worried about this child and what could, have, and it's not true. Yeah, it's, it, it, that's it's just plain absolutely out despicable. deceitful. Amen. So we will keep you posted uh, as information comes out, and I can guarantee you it will. Shout out to Astro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. My allergies are throwing my whole morning off. Do I sound different to you? I love it. You sound like, <laughs> it's that time of year, though, bro. I sound different to me. I feel like I'm in a submarine. Yeah, well, have you tried Astro? It's faster, bro. Oh. Right? Astro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It is the fastest 24-hour over-the-counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. Hey, I use this. And you should too, Jim. Last weekend, I planted my garden, and it's that time of the year, and my allergies 
really kicked up with it, right? I use Astapro every time my nasal allergies flare up, and I'm always amazed at how fast I'm back in the game, down on those rows, playing my stuff. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to AstaproAllergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O Allergy.com. It's faster, bro. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Astapro and go. Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says she's seeing more health issues with the dog's joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health. What she discovered is that the way many dog foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true for many premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how anyone can do this same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. Now, my dog, Phoebe, is the queen of our house, and I can tell you that her health is extremely important to us. She is a part of our family. I watched the video, y'all, and I was amazed by the things I didn't know that could impact your dog's health. This 20-minute video is packed full of tips that I've already started with my dog, Phoebe. I'm noticing more energy, healthier skin and coat. If you want to keep your dog healthy and happy, go to badlandsfood.com R-L-R-C and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B-A-D-L-A-N-D-S-F-O-O-D.com slash R-L-R-C. Well, I can tell you this. At least she didn't kill someone. Uh, I guess we could give, if we want to give her a little latitude, she didn't kill there someone that we know of yet. But um, of, a yeah. woman was accused of killing her boyfriend and is now accused of killing her Former boyfriend. Mm, so black, black widow. widow much? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. A woman who was arrested in connection to a deadly shooting is facing a separate murder charge for an incident that happened in 2021 in Baton Rouge. Janice Frazier, 42 years old, was arrested for the shooting death of Imani Anderson Jr. that took place on October 14th of 2021. Edward Hayes, who was Anderson's best friend, said the confession came as no surprise. And this was interesting to me because there's a lot of times that murders occur and everyone else could see it. They could see it coming from a mile away. Well, this friend agreed. He, this is a direct quote. God, God can come down here right now. And I would have bet my life even before this happened that she was the one who killed EJ, not another soul, but her mm. friends told us about the warning signs and they were there. And this was another quote. That was the crazy thing that he had just told us a week prior that she was trying to kill him, according to Hayes. I hate to say it, but he was one of those street guys who didn't believe in calling the police. I begged EJ to call the police to get a restraining order, get a paper trail before something bad happens. Him not doing it didn't quite work out in his favor, said Tolliver Hayes, Anderson's other friend. 
Frazier was already in custody for the shooting death of Christopher Holden, who was 34, on Tuesday, July 18th, when BRPD, Baton Rouge Police Department, made the announcement about her connection to Anderson's case. Frazier and Holden were in a relationship at the time of his death. Wow. Holden was found just before 7.20 a.m. at a Breck Park located at 801 South Flannery Road, Saturday, July 15th. Detectives believe Holden was shot in or near an apartment Friday, July 14th, and then brought to the Breck Park. Frazier was booked in East Baton Rouge Parish Prison on two counts of second-degree murder and two counts of obstruction of justice. Yeah, and that was a big deal when they found that body at Breck Park I remember. the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh because they just dumped him out of the vehicle and left when police investigated this. They figured out real quick he wasn't killed there. Right. Uh, but come to find out it was his, you know, girlfriend. I mean, she's going to have trouble getting dates. From you think? Yeah. yeah. It's going to be is, difficult. This is like keep your friends close and your and your enemies closer and your girlfriend Two even closer. You're going to have to do a lot man. of work on her Tinder profile to soften her up. For You don't, you you know, don't scorn that woman. I mean, you, she'll kill you. She could, but she has a killer personality. It's a, it's really a horrible uh, situation, and and um, and I'm kind of curious on the second degree, two second degree murder charges. I wonder if they just threw that on her because they can't prove the planning yet, and they plan on upgrading charges. Prosecutor possibly could do that because I have a hard time believing that you could kill two people spontaneously without planning. At, at some level, especially if you've already done it once. I think you make the argument for at least one of them to be a yeah, first-degree yeah, murder yeah, charge. Because sense. You know point. what I'm saying? It's not. I find that very hard to be spontaneous twice. Indeed. Because the difference, if people don't know, between first and second-degree murder is basically intent yeah. slash planning. Yeah. You know, it's not heat of the moment. Yeah. And I mean, damn, girl, if you shoot two boyfriends in heat of the moment, you need to calm your ass down. <laughs> Good God. Right. Wow. Well, um... Yeah, from evil to uh, the ultimate evil. Let's go back to Long Island and and talk about uh, what's going on in this continuing investigation of Rex Huerman and his uh, and his family. We we talked the other day about the uh, the fact that his wife's DNA was found on the burlap that wrapped three of these victims, and so that quickly launched us into a was she involved? She a part of this whole thing, or uh, did her hair get on her husband before uh, he went and uh, and murdered uh, three of the, the victims? Well, I think the mystery is out of that. She uh, lawyered up and got herself uh, right to court and filed for divorce uh, and uh, and uh, made some statements to police, uh, basically that uh, she had absolutely no idea her husband was. Uh, uh, was this monster, and it is what it is? She said, <laughs> "Just basically, Jesus. I'm uh, I'm getting out of here." So, but but here's what's going on. So you still have uh, uh, a bunch of stuff going on at the Massapequa Park home where they've been in there for a week now, but they have like torn the place apart. Uh, but he had Huerman had two other investment properties: one in uh, Chester County, South Carolina, and another one. Uh, uh, in Las Vegas. And so, uh, as well as, by the way, uh, multiple storage units on Long Island. So they have now widened the net to all of those locations. South Carolina is where the actual uh, Chevy Avalanche was. So that thing was towed out of the uh, the property in 
in South Carolina, which both of those investment properties are under both his name and his younger brother's name. And so I don't know what they're thinking about the younger brother yet. He hasn't come out to my knowledge and made any kind of uh, public statements. I don't know whether they're thinking that he may have been involved, but you know, he would have uh, the at one point the avalanche was registered in his name, not Rex's name, uh, and uh, and and he was the one spending more time down in South Carolina where that car was. And so, who, who are know, our victims in this one? These are the uh, the Gilgo Four, so the uh, Long Island murders, right? Um, the uh, there was a total of 11 people killed, mm-hmm. 11 bodies found in this one area of Long Island, but four were directly connected, buried in the same area with the exact same MO, wrapped in burlap. They were all prostitutes. They were all prostitutes that were using uh, Craigslist as a hookup uh, uh, service. And so the uh, the only things he's being charged with right now, the only crimes are Three of those four I got, I got murders, I got right? So, um, so they are uh, they are hardcore in um, uh, in search of uh, additional evidence. One other note about his brother Craig: his brother Craig killed a police officer in a crash in 1988, where he was uh, both drunk and under the influence of cocaine. He went away for uh, three or four years on um, uh, on those charges. So. His, that doesn't make his brother a murderer, but his brother's seen the inside of a prison and has mm-hmm. been on the wrong side of uh, the authorities in the past. And so we're just you know, going to see uh, uh, them go as far as they can to see how much they can connect this guy to and you know, sort of feel like they may not connect him to anything else that happened in, uh, on Gilgo or, or um, Long Island, but might end up connecting to him, him to a bunch of other things because it just seems uh, unbelievably strange that a person for just a year and a half period of their life would become a serial killer using the right. same MO, killing multiple victims, and then not have killed before he reached his mid-40s or not have killed after. And so uh, – and as as much as he became a fan of his work – Researching these families constantly online, looking at uh, uh, things and reading stories about his crimes, it just it just doesn't seem likely that that it begins and ends with these three or four if they charge him with the fourth murder. Well, and something too that the reason I was asking specifically which victims is because choosing prostitutes typically is done because they're seen by the killer as disposable people that no one's going to look for, right. and I hate that because you know prostitutes while maybe moral, you know, doing things that are not typically considered moral. Yeah, but these are people beings. that are human beings that have obviously fallen under drug addiction, uh, drug addiction, addiction. And they're doing things that as sober minded people, they probably would not be doing. And that makes it even worse to me because you took advantage of people that were down and out. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah, and, 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 but he was right. He was right. In, in fact, yeah. he was so right that, they never would have found these four victims were they not looking for uh, Shannon Gilbert, who pe- mm-hmm. appears to be a, uh, 
uh, not connected death that happened in that same area. She also and all female, you know, like all these females. So another question, too, I would have just in the state of this investigation is for burlap sacks. Where did they come from? Did they originate from in the home and they reuse them like, I don't know, at Christmas time? And so the wife would have been touching these bags because four separate burlap bags, not one. Not to, you know, if a hair fell off of him onto one bag, okay, I'm buying that. Okay, that could have happened. But four separate bags that are burlap, the consistency of burlap is not something that touch DNA, I would think, would be as simple as touching, like, you know, a, a table or a, or a, you know, to get that much DNA off of burlap. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'm, I'm just. Mm. I don't know. But in that, so I'm from this exact area where right. this occurred. Uh, a lot of people that live in that area, myself mm-hmm. included, used uh, used burlap for uh, a lot of clammers. You're, you're, yeah. you're in the water yeah. clamming. You put your clams in burlap. Got you. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, crabs or other shellfish using the burlap. So a lot of people have burlap. So that's what I'm saying. So Would it have been in common. the home? Is it a yeah? yeah. If, it, it, if you're if you're a fisherman, you're involved yeah. in the water and and. Uh, Again, a ton of people there are, and, yeah. and this is a different. You you if you don't know and you just hear the description of this place as you know beach community and everything, mm-hmm. it's not like any beach community you've uh, you've been at or would envision in your head because there are no high rises. This is not a a big town area where there's a lot of that kind of stuff where people go on vacation. Most of this area is state park. It's protected. The beaches gotcha. are state park. And so there are homes, individual homes, and there aren't very many of them. And uh, it is a uh, spot to uh, that whole length of beach. Go swimming in the summer or go surfing year round. That's pretty much all that happens there other than some retirees. And so people from the area would know how remote a spot it was, mm-hmm. kind of easy to dig especially uh, where uh, where he would have been uh, digging. And your point is right on about uh, uh, about the uh, prostitutes because Suffolk County Police took a lot of criticism because the original case was a missing person, mm-hmm. not a murder. They didn't they didn't find that she was the last body they found. And, and adults, so they didn't know. Adults have the right to disappear. Honestly, you can leave up and, and move. And so a missing person is much different than a murder. So, you know, why would they assume that until they found a body? All right, we told you, uh, and we're going to update you about the tragic Fargo police shooting in which one officer was killed, uh, two others critically wounded, and give you an update on that. The man who shot those Fargo police officers, one fatally last week, had 18,000 rounds of ammunition, multiple guns, and a homemade hand grenade in his vehicle, this from officials Mohammed uh, Barakat, who was 37, opened fire on those officers responding to a traffic wreck Friday uh, before being fatally shot by Officer Zach Robinson. Officer Jake Wallen was killed and Officers Andrew Dotis and Tyler Halls were hospitalized with critical injuries. A 25-year-old Fargo woman was also shot, but authorities have not said who shot her. Uh, Mayor Tim Mahoney came out and said, when you look at the amount of ammunition this shooter had in his car, he was planning more mayhem in our community. Uh, Barricat's attack was completely unprovoked. 
police and fire officials were responding to a routine track traffic accident on a busy street that afternoon when the gunmen began firing multiple rounds at them. Firefighters at the scene and nearby ambulances were essential in preventing additional fatalities. As soon as the firing stopped, firefighters bounced out and they were applying first aid immediately to officers. This from the mayor. It does not appear that the gunman was involved in the car crash that brought officers to the scene, and investigators are determining whether this was a planned ambush of the officers. I would suspect it was. The funeral service for Wallen is set for Saturday morning in Minnesota, and a private service will follow Graveside. Uh, Dotus is a six-year veteran responsible for training officers, uh, Wallen served in the Minnesota Army National Guard, was deployed to Afghanistan and Iraq from November of 2020 to July of 2021. He and Hawes were sworn in less than three months ago and were still in training when they responded to that scene. Two words, death penalty. I'm coming at you right there because I, to, agree. I don't know that the he this shooter planned specifically to kill these officers, but to have all that in your car meant that he planned to kill someone at some point in time uh, look a couple things one have they said where he's from does he did he live in fargo they uh i have not come across that information yeah i haven't seen i haven't seen that uh, either either but you know I, I don't get where it can both be that it wasn't a planned accident but it's a plan. It was a it was a planned ambush. That doesn't. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That doesn't, he, that doesn't make sense to he me. He may have planned an ambush, but he was waiting for the perfect moment. And what a freaking coward! Because you knew that their attention was faced towards that incident, right. and that's when you opened fire. You are a coward. Yeah, he. You know. Uh, he could have just been driving around looking for uh, officers outside of a vehicle, well, hey, and he happened upon that. They had an ambush right here in Baton Rouge that the anniversary yeah. was just. Uh, just occurred this past week uh, where officers were ambushed and this guy intentionally was walking down the road with a uh, AK-47 type rifle and he drew, uh, drew them wanted in. to draw the police. Yeah, in. he people were calling the police saying a guy's walking down a major thoroughfare with an AK-47 style weapon. They go to investigate and he ends up killing. And well, right here, when Officer Kelly was just killed right here in Denham Springs, like literally a mile from where we're, we are right now, that guy um, didn't necessarily set out to shoot Officer Kelly, but he absolutely set out to hurt someone that day. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's probably that situation. And what a little, what a twerp, man, to want to be, that's how you want to make your name. Yeah. Well. And we've got men that he, were in the military had, he, that sacrificed their time from their families. This young kid, 23 years old. I mean, he, he had enough ammunition to have been planning on doing something on a entirely different scale mm -hmm. than what ended up happening. And, and as, I don't know if you can look back and at any point on this and, and see some, uh, some good in it, but there's likely a lot of lives that we'll never know that were saved because this happened when it happened, because this guy was prepared to shoot up the world. I totally mm. agree with you, but tell that to that boy's mom. No, no, I'm, just, <laughs> you I'm, know, not, I know. I'm not saying there's any no, I know. In it. But I just, you know, as a society, I'm over this. I'm over these people that want to just hurt other people because they have, they're just so hateful. Yeah, you know, it's, it's sick. Well, 
Moving on to more crime, I guess, is a Michigan man is accused of killing and dismembering his wife, and he was fatally shot by the police. Michigan State Police shot and killed a man wanted for killing and dismembering his wife in Burton after a confrontation in Detroit late Monday. Officers had responded to an apartment complex around 7.20 p.m. on Saturday to check the well-being of a woman who lived there, and a witness had reported that the woman was dead inside of the apartment. So I don't know if they looked in the window and saw her or how they knew that, but officers went into the apartment and indeed found 41-year-old Shauna Roy dead. The woman's husband... 44-year-old Tony Roy had dismembered her body, placed her body parts in trash bags, and left the bags in a bathtub at the apartment. Burton police spent the weekend sifting through that evidence and attempting to locate the woman's husband. And after obtaining warrants for the man's arrest, evidence led investigators to Tony Roy's whereabouts in the Detroit area. The Michigan State Police located Tony around 1140 p.m. driving in the Detroit city limits. The man did have a female acquaintance in the vehicle with him Mm. when uh, troopers attempted a traffic stop. So troopers allegedly saw Tony point a gun at himself and the woman after he stopped. Several Michigan state police troopers opened fire on tony after he pointed a gun at the woman and he was pronounced dead at the scene the woman did suffer minor injuries from shap, uh, shrapnel uh, and all of the officers who fired at the suspect were placed on paid administrative leave which is standard protocol for officer involved shootings just my humble opinion but that woman literally and metaphorically dodged a bullet uh, i would say so uh Here. Yeah, I mean, when you're dismembering, (laughs) that's that's a a very personal way of killing. And so this guy was not going to stop with just one. And left her like trash, literally left her in the bathtub in a bag. That shows literally how you felt about her. Zero regard. Horrible. And I'm not sad he got killed. (laughs) No, I don't feel too bad about it either. The use of and they do this every single time that people are, quote unquote, pronounced dead. Right. I wonder what the origin of that was, because it seems like such a strange thing. I mean, wouldn't you declare them dead or uh, but yeah, pronounced. pronounced I guess it's just the formality. We are pronouncing. Do they pronounce you alive when you're born? Yeah, that's what I mean. Is where did they, where did that? I, I declare know. you I'm are sorry, alive. Bad, no. bad, bad turn, but we, yeah, I'm going to research that and figure that out because that's uh, it, it's always kind of struck me as weird. But how about a little uh, a little pick uh, pick us up story here? Um, uh, I want to talk about a hero that really has not gotten uh, a whole lot of noise made about him, but we're going to make some noise about him right now. And this is uh, this relates to the capture of the fugitive in Pennsylvania, Michael Burham. Yes. Tucker was outside relaxing on his porch Saturday in Warren County, Pennsylvania, when he caught a glimpse of someone. Tucker's focus tightened, and he could see the fugitive murder suspect, Michael Burham, approaching the property. Years of training had prepared him for this moment. Tucker sprang up and ran toward the creek at the property's edge. Cynthia Eklund called out to him, Tucker, Tucker, but there was no response, and Tucker didn't come back. The unmistakable sound of their chocolate Labrador retriever Tucker's bark led (laughs) Cynthia and Ron Eklund to his location. The Ecklins immediately spotted Berm and knew exactly who he was. Berm stood shirtless and wearing his rolled-up orange prison pants. He told the couple he was camping. The Ecklins pretended to accept the camping premise and rushed back toward the house and immediately called 911 once inside. 
Shortly thereafter, authorities had Berm in custody. Tucker was recognized for his efforts at a press conference on Tuesday held at the Eklund's home. The Eklund's confirmed they received a $2,000 reward for their tip. They also mentioned that treats were given to Tucker, including 48 tennis balls. Tucker's a big fan of tennis balls. Uh, (laughs) We got a new collar today, Cynthia said. We bought a bucket of tennis balls, so that's probably a year's worth of tennis balls for Tucker. He loves to play ball. You can't ask for a better best friend than that. Tucker was actually really aggressively barking at Berm, which was uh, the key thing here. Um, There's a ribeye steak in the fridge waiting for him after all this is over. The proud owner praised her lab for protecting them and speculated that Tucker knew Berm was dangerous. Way to go, Tucker. If Tucker does not get the goodest boy in the world award. The goodest boy in the world. The goodest boy in the world. He's the goodest boy. He's a good fellow. (laughs) (laughs) Just good thing that that guy did not have any weapons when that whole thing and went what, down there. You're camping in your in your orange. Your, your yeah, camp, you, yeah. I, I mean, Hunter's orange. Is that yeah, what we're doing here? Like what? Right. Where's your tent? Laying out deer feed. Doofus. Yeah, it's you, you know, and it, and people don't put enough stock in in our wonderful. Well, I don't want to say people. Some do, but uh, <laughs> our wonderful pets and 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 dogs in particular are so great at alerting you to things. And look, I hear a dog barking in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. I'm peeking out the window almost every time. It's just sheer curiosity of what's what's the dog barking at. Listen, so. my seven-pound weenie dog, Toby, I'm giving him a shout-out right now, was barking outside our backyard the other day. And my husband, who is jealous because Toby is my buddy, um, was like, that dang dog, shut that dog. Blah, blah. I said, no, he sees something because it was nighttime. And he was like, no, he doesn't. He blah, blah. And do you know we went out there and Toby valiantly, valiantly snatched a rat he saw. Wow. And Toby. saved me. That a boy. That a boy. Obvious yeah. death. Yeah. Love it. Well, and did your husband show a lot of regret for the way that he had he treated did. you he, and he, what he had said about Toby prior to that? He ate a little crow because, because yeah. Toby is the best dog in the world. And I've told him on multiple occasions, you're the goodest boy I ever met. <laughs> so he knows. <laughs> goodest boy. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure he absolutely <laughs> he knows. Hey, y'all. My wife's biggest struggle this past year was fighting the symptoms associated with menopause. Hot flashes, mild mood swings, and sleeplessness. She had them all until she tried Hormone Harmony. She was amazed at how much Hormone Harmony reduced her symptoms and supported her mood and her general well-being. Hormone Harmony is not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause. It's become a phenomenon. Women cannot stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now, here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. So hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it. But it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that put a woman's life on hold. Hot flashes and night sweats, racing thoughts and low moods, Poor sleep and feeling tired all the time. Occasional bloating and gas. No desire to be in bed next to someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, Hormone Harmony can help with all of these things. 
For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code RLRC at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code RLRC for 15% off today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about uh, disgruntled employees real quick and, and how a situation that's bad can turn really bad on a dime. You talking about Woody? Yeah, that's no. Well, <laughs> well, I wouldn't not, call him disgruntled. disgruntled. Yeah. Well, he's suspended. I'd be disgruntled. That's, that's true, Mike. You better watch out. It's, he has time to contemplate his, <laughs> his, his actions. And, I mean, that's what you need to reflect. Okay, well, the situation turned from bad to really worse for for uh, some people that were involved with this disgruntled employee. Two workers were shot and killed at a Louisiana shipyard on Monday. The suspect, a former employee of the shipyard who was reportedly fired, was later fatally shot by officers at another location. Deputies were summoned to the FMT Shipyard and Repair. This is in Harvey, Louisiana, which is kind of right outside of New Orleans. Upon a report of a shooting, the deputies arrived to find two unresponsive adult males on the ground, each who suffered at least one gunshot wound. They were pronounced dead at the scene. The two victims were employees at the business and were targeted by a former employee. The suspect uh, was identified by witnesses and detectives began an effort to search for him. A group of uniform and plainclothes deputies later arrived at an apartment complex and they encountered the suspect walking to a nearby dumpster. As they were approaching him, he took off running. The suspect fired several shots at the deputies. Deputies then returned fire, striking the suspect several times, and he was pronounced dead at the scene. His firearm was recovered. The two employees that were killed at the shipyard were Nakey James Brown, 48, and Dustin Parry Jr., 20, both of Harvey. The suspected gunman, who was later killed by authorities, was identified as Willis Thomas Jr., 31. The shooter, who was recently fired from the shipyard, showed up unannounced and shot the other the two employees. It's unknown whether a confrontation occurred before the shooting or why the gunman was fired from his employer. The mother of the su- suspect picked him up near the shipyard and drove him to the apartment complex, but did not know that her son was linked to the shooting. Mm. Crazy story. Uh, and thank God none of those officers were shot. This guy was, you know, he had a death wish. Uh, you kill two employees, take off running, the cops chase you, and you pull out a gun and start shooting at the police. You're not wanting to go to jail. So thank God that uh, no cops were shot. Already a tragic incident with those two employees. Being yeah, killed. and what's what's shocking to me is in terms of workplace violence is it's like oh my god, how could someone show up and start shooting? But I had looked it up while he was talking, and do you know now this is according to 2021 there that there were 37,060 workers that experienced non fatal workplace violence. 
2021, and there were 481 workplace homicides. Really? Yeah. That's shocking. People are getting, I mean, it, that means eight violent crimes per 1,000 workers aged 16 or older, according to what I'm reading. Um, that's a lot of, that's a lot of, uh, a lot of confrontation. That's a lot of work. confrontation. That's scary. No doubt. No doubt. Well, this one right here, when it comes to kids, y'all, I don't, I ain't playing, especially my own, but kids, you know, you don't mess with kids. I don't know about y'all, but a Texas mother is accused of medically abusing her toddler and creating a fake GoFundMe account. Oh my God. A 27 year old mother, and I don't even think they should call her a mother, a 27 year old mother is in custody after allegedly subjecting her three year old daughter to medical abuse and sending her to several hospitals in multiple states. Jessica Gasser had multiple unnecessary medical procedures performed on her child for a quote, unknown amount of time. Uh, officials arrested her last week. Gasser lied to the hospital staff about her daughter's medical history, causing them to draw the child's blood 28 times. You know, as a mama, just see, having to, you know, hold your baby when they take the blood one time is enough to make your skin crawl because you're just so upset. Yeah. 28 times. Um, Gasser even reportedly took her daughter to multiple hospitals all over the country, including Texas, Louisiana, and Ohio. Gasser told medical staff her daughter was not eating and losing weight, so providers administered a feeding tube. Gasser told doctors she was giving her daughter a sufficient amount of calories. Doctors reportedly believed Gasser was lying because the child was still not gaining weight, and they reported the mother to the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services. Gasser also set up a fake GoFundMe account to raise money to send her child to the Cleveland Clinic for medical treatment. A company called Miracle Flight which provides flights to children with medical complications, reportedly flew Gasser and her daughter from Dallas to Cleveland. And in the paperwork for medical flight, Gasser said her daughter had gastroparesis, a uh, condition that interferes with the stomach's ability to empty properly. During a search of Gasser's phone history, authorities observed that she Googled such phrases as, is lying to a doctor about a child illegal? And can you be prosecuted in a different county than you reside? Mm. Gasser mess. This woman is in control of her child's medical help, and this is the shit she's googling. Um, Gasser messaged a friend and said she would erase all of her social media posts and private messages uh, regarding her daughter's health. Gasser had thousands of followers. The sheriff's office asked people to come forward if they've had any contact with Gasser or know anything about the medical abuse allegations. And this, my friends, uh, is Munchausen by proxy. If you ask me, um, where you hurt your child for the attention, not only that you get, but for the financial gain. And it's sick. It's, you know, it's infuriating is what it is. And this is, this is the problem with GoFundMe. Um, and, and I think it's a great thing for people that legitimately need something like that. But mm -hmm. the problem is it, it, people pull on people's heartstrings that are total assholes and disgusting human beings and it makes it bad for everybody because something like that happens and people hesitate to give look uh there's a lot of people and if you're not a registered nonprofit, mm -hmm. uh you know they they don't they won't give to you because who knows if you're legit or not uh and i get that right. and and uh it's just it's assholes like that and disgusting people like that that cause it you know and this baby i mean depends on you yeah this baby looks to you for yeah. comfort and you will hurt this child for financial gain and gain and for the attention you're a special kind of ass and you're evil 
Yeah. That's evil. Yeah. Well, uh, from one uh, uh, mom who's not going to win mother of the year to another, my non-mom of the year is in Wisconsin. And this Wisconsin mom is facing a slew of felony charges after her two kids were seen wandering the streets completely naked, covered in blood, bruises, and shit. Mm. Mm. That's according to a criminal complaint filed in Milwaukee County Court, which says that Katie Ray Koch, age 34, kept the pair, who are seven and nine years old, locked in a squalid bedroom with boarded-up windows for years. Neither child was enrolled in school. Neither is toilet-trained. Neither can read, write. And one of the two is unable to form full sentences. When the youngest managed to escape to the outside world last week, one neighbor told police they spotted the older boy walking on the sidewalk like a caveman. Another neighbor said the two were clad only, quote, in diapers, running from home to home, and that they had no idea uh, Koch even had kids, according to the complaint. Cops found the walls of the boys' living space smeared with feces, which Koch uh, at first tried to pass off as clay, paint, and chocolate. Koch's live-in boyfriend, Joel Mankey, age 38, is also charged with various crimes relating to the appalling conditions at the three-bed, one-bath home, which prosecutors described as, quote, like something out of a horror movie. Authorities first learned of the children's plight on July 13th when a concerned resident called 911 after spotting two naked juveniles walking around the neighborhood with blood on them. The caller said the duo had bruises and red marks on their thighs. When the first officer arrived, a group of neighbors pointed them to Koch's home, saying she had, quote, violently dragged one of the kids back inside. The officer walked towards the house and from the outside heard what he believed to be a quieted cry or whimper. Koch then exited the house through a side door, appearing flustered and anxious. She was consciously pacing and swaying, and her body appeared agitated. The uh, And I have a picture of these two that we'll post, which is unbelievable. But Christine Eder, the neighbor who initially called the police, told WISN-TV, former client of mine, WISN Radio, Bill Hurwitz, greatest <laughs> guy in the world. Hey, Bill. I'm not going to ever forget the way they looked when they came running out of the house. They didn't have any clothes on, none. Their hair looked like it had never been brushed. Their faces were pure bewilderment. They were just looking around. I don't think they'd ever been outside before. Upon entering the home, officers encountered a terrible hoarding situation. Koch attributed red marks all over the seven-year-old's body to him and his brother smashing a window before running away. Koch gathered clothes for the children who were then removed from the residence. A rabbit and three dogs were also taken away by authorities. How freaking happy do you think that rabbit and the dogs were? I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so afraid. Koch repeated over and over. Good. The complaint states she, uh, she denied abusing the children physically. She walked officers through the home, which she uh, said was, uh, officer said was literally uninhabitable. The smell of urine and feces filled the residence. Next to the bathroom was the children's room. There was a mound of trash and garbage outside of that room. The door was halfway opened, and a greater amount of urine and feces smell became present as officers approached the room. The children's room had feces smeared all over the walls. 
when Mankey showed up a short time later, that's the boyfriend, he explained to police that he had lived in the home since 2007 and that Koch and her boys moved in about three and a half years ago. He said he considered himself a stepdad to the kids. He also told cops that he had uh, that he boarded up the children's bedroom windows in an attempt to, quote, keep them from bothering the nosy neighbor. Uh, it states that the latch on the door was to prevent the kids from wandering due to what Mankey called their autism. He admitted he knew the conditions in which the children were being forced to live were wrong, but that he had learned to, quote, pick his battles with Koch. He stated he never contacted police or schools to report the children because he believed uh, in doing uh, he didn't believe in doing that to family family members. So this goes on and on. Obviously, Koch is uh, uh, is behind bars at this point uh, on thirty thousand uh, uh, dollars bail. She's charged with two felony counts of chronic neglect of a child and false imprisonment. She's also facing two additional misdemeanor counts of neglecting a child. If convicted, she could face up to forty four years in prison and Mankey can face up to 44. Yeah. And while she's behind bars right now, she has a bed and a mattress. She's being fed. She's getting medical care. She's got a TV. Mm. She's got a toothbrush. Yeah. They're treating her a lot better than she treated her kids. How do they not, there there are birth records for the, I mean, how do they not cross reference birth records with school registry? I mean, don't they, isn't there a way of knowing what kids are, should be in school versus who's uh, actually enrolled. I mean, you're allowed that? to move around the country, though. I mean, how would where you're born and birth records jive with? Well, and, but, and then but there's a record of you. I, I don't homeschooling. Know. You know, people homeschool and there wouldn't be a school record necessarily, I guess. I mean, I get what you're saying because I thought the same thing. Um, but and if these kids do have autism, I mean, I know they're already a, a felony charge here. But if they do have autism, they ought to throw the freaking book at them. Even uh, even I think, more. I think she's. I think both of them are getting the book because you've now them, but... stunted their growth for eternity. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, yeah. Im- improper. Horrible. You're not even socialized. I'm sorry. I know I'm getting worked up, but as a mom, and I have a seven and a nine year old. Oh you, yeah, no. I, look, we we're all staring at all these stats about what uh, what lockdowns did for two years to to kids. But imagine going to age seven or age nine without ever having been to school, being taught these, one of them can't complete a sentence. Neither can read. I mean, and no clothes and naked. Like they they don't know how to go to the bathroom. I mean, it literally, they are infants at age seven and nine um, who probably have a bunch of serious disease because, you know, they've been living living in their own shit for uh, their entire life. And then they're going to go what into the care of the state. And they're going to go to these homes with these people who are going to try their best. Thank God we have them to, you know, help them and, and love them. And they don't even know how to accept love. I'm sure. No. And it's shocking that it took that long because obviously neighbors knew something was up in that house and no, they had never gotten, um, and you I'm, know, any kind of a, a, you know, an nine one one call to, to just check on it. And what, I guess she didn't work because you didn't leave or did you leave them home all day? I don't know. That's just un, mm. yeah, horrible. <sighs> you can now take off that belt. And move freely around the cabin. All right, Tiffany. It's My High Crimes Friday. And look, if you've ever been on a plane, and probably the majority of people that are listening right now have, it, you know, they got the little air conditioner deals that you twist and it gives you the air. And that's the first thing you do when you sit down, right? You twist that thing on. Well, passengers Hmm. aboard a Las Vegas flight. 
pass out while awaiting takeoff in triple-digit temperatures. So the problem with that is the air doesn't really kick on until the plane takes off. You know, they just yeah. have that. It's really hot air, unless it feels like blowing through the air prior to that when you're waiting to take off. So multiple airline passengers awaiting takeoff fell ill in stifling triple-digit heat while taxiing behind more than a dozen other flights at Harry Reid International Airport in Las Vegas on Monday. Passengers aboard a Delta Airlines flight to Atlanta were waiting in 111-degree heat with no air conditioning when the pilot announced the plane had to return to the gate due to multiple emergencies. The situation worsened, and flight attendants were seen running up and down the aisles with oxygen tanks. Multiple passengers had passed out, and some had even soiled themselves. Babies screamed as passengers were told to remain seated while they waited for paramedics to board the plane. At least five people were seen being wheeled off the plane. The pilot instructed passengers to hit your call button if you're having a medical emergency. Passengers were then given a choice to leave the plane, but were told if they did, it may take days to get another flight out to Atlanta. Many passengers... Uh, chose to stay on the plane, but the temperatures inside began to rise again. Temperatures at the airport fluctuated between 111 and 115 that afternoon. After a total of four hours on the hot plane, stretchers were wheeled onto the plane and passengers were asked to disembark back into the airport. Passengers were later told flight attendants had also fallen ill and the flight might not be able to take off. One flight attendant was wheeled out with a stretcher and oxygen mask on. The flight was moved to 7 a.m. Tuesday. Passengers, however, awoke to find the plane had been canceled yet again. A representative for Harry Reid International Airport said they were unaware of the incident, and Delta Airlines said in a statement that it was investigating the cause of the situation. I could not imagine many things worse than having to deal with that right there. Well, because you know it never fails. You get in an elevator. Okay, I'm about to go on a personal thing here. You get on an elevator or a closed cabin, everybody and their mama starts farting and nobody oh, has deodorant on. And now you go put me in a closed cabin of a plane with no air conditioning? Yeah, that's bad. I mean, I can't deal with that for 15 minutes, much no. less four hours in 111 degree heat. Well, and Oh, my God. This... A few years ago, there was an incident similar, and it caused a uh, a fresh look at some of the uh, FAA regulations, and they changed some of them to where you can only be on a tarmac for a certain amount of time without taking off before you have to return yeah. to the gate. Mm-hmm. I don't know how close they got to that number. I mean, this, this situation where you can't control the cabin temperature during uh, a waiting period on a tarmac where, I mean, look at what's been going on in the United States the last week. Every city through Phoenix, the uh, Vegas, the Texas cities uh, are all 105, 110, 115 degrees every day. And we we have all kinds of flight delays and cancellations because you have all these thunderstorms in the southeast and up in the, you know, so you Co- the combination of the hot weather there and all of these delays here, it's all, it's all the, all the data is there. They ought to be able to see that and not put themselves in a situation where a flight leaves a gate and gets out to the tarmac and can't provide air conditioning uh, to, uh, to the 
the passengers and isn't going to be able to take off because they've got a weather situation in Atlanta or whatever. You got to go back to the gate. And if your gate's occupied, you got to go to another. You got to do something. You can't do that. People could have died on that plane. And uh, and God, would that have been bad for uh, for those people and for Delta as it is, they're going to feel some uh, some real pain from this. And what about uh, the pilots? Are the pilots sitting in that heat, too? They yeah. probably have yeah. air. Oh, they don't have air conditioner up in the. Uh, they may have slight. I mean, I think everybody's on the same uh, air supply. I mean, so like as the pilot, there. if you're that hot, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, hello, hello, uh, hello, hello. Yeah, no, that I oh. mean, that life is not glamorous. I mean, people yeah. people tend to think pilots have this. I mean, that that's a tough. Yeah, uh, that's a tough life and a a, a tough gig. But I mean, 111. In a plane, I mean that's just. I, I'm, yeah, that's it's when crazy. I would do that. I'd be on the news because I'd pop that uh, that slide and I'd be like, "Peace out." Well, on that actually, thought. a plane dropped one of those the other day. You the can slide now take off that belt landed and move freely around the cabin. This is in Illinois. The the so some plane flying over city of Chicago, the entire slide just fell off the plane and landed in a neighborhood. Oh my Let's god! Figure out where that one is. Yeah, I don't know how that happens. That's crazy. The segment ended. Yeah. Try it again. Sorry. The segment ended. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we're going out of order. Well, we're trying to keep you on your toes. Okay, sorry, sorry. I didn't yeah, we are, for, but there's a reason for it. Okay, I wasn't expecting that. Question for you guys. What's the one thing you need to make sure of before you make a deathbed confession? You're going to die? You're going to die. <laughs> yeah. You got to make sure you're going to die. Good answer, Kelly. Thanks. James Washington was having a heart attack when he called a police officer over to his hospital bed. In a last-ditch effort to make peace with his maker, Washington confessed to involvement in a cold case murder dating back 17 years. While he prayed for absolution, what he got instead was a medical miracle and a murder charge. Oh, Lord. Washington had long been linked to the murder of Joyce Goodner, who was found stabbed in the neck, beaten to death with a cinder block and set on fire in, in an abandoned Nashville, Tennessee house. A lack of sufficient evidence, most significantly, there were no DNA samples, kept the police from arresting anyone for more than 17 years. At the time of his heart attack, Washington was in jail for a different crime. So when he was escorted to the hospital with the severe chest pains, there was a police officer nearby. He kind of got as... As best he could, he motioned and said, I have something to tell you. I have to get something off my conscience, and you need to hear this, said transport guard James Tomlinson. He said, I killed somebody. I beat her to death. With the weight lifted off his conscience but added on to his rap sheet, Washington proceeded to live through the heart attack and was sentenced to life in prison. (laughs) So he got an extra 51 years on top of the sentence. You have to add the sound of Homer Simpson. (laughs) Dope! Make sure before you give that death confession. That was a good one. Gonna die. Good choice there. I like that. Yeah, what a dumbass. (laughs) Good choice. Make sure. Make sure. They stole what? They stole what? <gasps> what did they steal, Kelly? Um, well, a man steals bomb squad equipment <gasps> after officials leave the key in the ignition. Oh, mm. Lord. Somebody got fired. It's a good idea. Kind of like when I arrived at the studio this morning <laughs> and the door was locked, but lucky me, 
Jim left the keys in the in the in the door. Yeah, I'm and I walked doing that right in, and you'll never guess what he was doing. What? Nothing. You were reading some papers, right, but just right. know I could have busted him. <laughs> All right, a Dallas man was arrested for stealing a truck carrying bomb squad equipment after officials left the keys in the ignition. Mm. Benjamin Hubbard, 37, is accused of stealing a black Ford F-350 from the maintenance shop at the Dallas Fire Academy. But it's what's inside that got him in a bind. The truck had $186,000 worth of equipment, including a bomb suit, a kit that disarms explosives, and a portable x-ray system. Oh, he's in trouble. Oh, snap. (laughs) Authorities found Hubbard and the truck parked on a grassy area of Dallas. He had stashed the equipment from the vehicle in a vacant lot. A laptop was the only piece of stolen equipment that was not recovered and he remains in the Dallas County Jail in lieu of $100,000 bail. Wow. I do wonder where that laptop is. Yeah. I wonder what's on the laptop. Bomb squad equipment? Do you know Hunter Biden? They stole what? They stole what? This is not a political podcast. (laughs) That's right. Sanctioned. Apologies. Um, Look, before we get out of here, I want to talk about something very important, Mike. And Kelly, first of all, thank you for coming on today. Thanks for the invite. We appreciate it. Uh, you you call, come anytime we call, right? So I try. Thank you very much. Uh, she has an event coming up, Mike. Pretty I'm, soon. I'm going to be there. It is, you're going to be there. I'm, I'm going to be so there. Honored. The Woodster's going to be there. It is Unspeakable Live with Kelly Jennings. And I'm going to tell you what, it is a unbelievable story that you're going to hear. Yeah. Uh, one of the most heinous crimes to ever come out of this area of the country. And Kelly has more information on it than probably anybody. Yeah. So I've done a When I tell y'all I have researched this, I'm not talking look on the Internet and find stuff. I'm talking about elbows deep day in and day out, talking mm-hmm. to people and getting the real information because I want people to know how the crimes really happen, not this salacious, you know, stories that get a headline. You know, who were these victims and what did they go through? So uh, should yeah. I say what case it is? Well, uh, mm, yeah, sure. All right. Well, I'll say it here. Uh, I'm going to be covering the Dakota Terrio um, story. Um, really, it's not about him. It's about his victims. But right. it's a huge case that happened in this area. Five people murdered. And um, it's not just a headline. I mean, there's a lot of people affected by this by this case. And so I'm, I'm excited to tell the story and to give, um, you know, give the give people a real eye opener to what victims go through and what happened in this case all the lies that were told and um it's going to be at the southeastern center in walker louisiana so it's southeastern livingston and open bar and if you want to come on friday too bad it's sold out yeah but we still have limited very limited tickets available for saturday yeah and so get online you can find me on facebook unspeakable the podcast um look me up or um i have a website unspeakable the uh, hello, unspeakablethepodcast.com. Yeah. But um, if you just search that, uh, there's links to the Southeastern site where you buy the tickets through them. That's right. So uh, looking forward to check it, it out. It's going to be a great time. And uh, we appreciate you coming on today and helping us out. Always Thanks, my pleasure. Thank you all so much for having me. You got it. Until next time, I'm Jim Chapman. I'm Mike Agavino. And I'm Kelly Jennings. For Real Life, Real Crime Daily. Peace. Peace. Shabiz. Shabiz.